Blog Talk Radio. With a little time before the year, we discuss big free agents, who should be let in the Hall of Fame, and news such as Peralta being ranked number 10 by MLB Network, and Tori Lovello being re-signed. Hello, Diamondback Nation. Welcome back to the Rattle Up Podcast. My name is Blake, and I am joined here by my co-host, Chris. Hope everyone's having a great Friday night. Uh, we are rolling out some merch here for February, and if you uh, this month we are having a draw Dyson design. It says Zoom by Yaw on the shirt. It looks pretty nice. So if you want to go check that out, the website is baseballpodcastnet.com. Anyway, we got a 45-minute show planned tonight. We're going to be talking about some Diamondbacks news as long as just MLB news in general. Chris, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good. So first, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be flipping into some mailbag questions that you guys asked uh, over the week. So uh, if uh, Benson, if we get the first question real quick. Yeah, first question is from Andrew. Best prospect the D-backs have ever had, in your opinion? Now, there's a difference between best prospect and best player. So, I mean, obviously, best player, you could either argue probably Randy Johnson, Gonzo, or Goldschmidt. But, I mean, it, you know, Goldschmidt was, always, was, was like the only prospect they had. I'm going to say Archie Bradley because he – I think he was – like I think he was either the number five or number seven prospect. He was he was in the top ten. And, you know, he was really hyped out and, and he was really hyped up in, in, uh, in, in the minors. And he's turning out to be a, pr- a pretty solid reliever. So, yeah. Kind of agree with you on that one. He's uh... – he was definitely a huge prospect, and uh, we also have we've had a few a lot of players that have come up through the DFX organization. We've gotten rid of like uh, Max Scherzer was pretty good. Uh, he's well, he wasn't. I don't know, but he wasn't like a top prospect when he had it. We had him, but he he ended up pretty well. But I agree with you on Archie Bradley. I definitely think he's their best prospect recently. Yeah. Next, next question. Uh, this is also from Andrew. Best prospects in the Diamondback system, in your opinion? See, I, I mean, there, there's, I think there's not right now. There's three ranked in the top 100, um, and it's Jazz Chisholm, um, Taylor Widener, and John Duplantier. I think the guy who it has, is guaranteed to have the most success, I'm going to say, is Taylor Widener because he shows not only he shows control over over his stuff, but he also shows very good velocity, and I think he's got a lot of good tools and. And I think he's the, he's going to be the most. I think he has the he, he has the most like guaranteed success in the majors. I think Jazz Chisholm has the potential to be uh, that number one guy, but we'll, we'll still just see how it turns out. I like John Duplantier. He's had solid years in the minors. He is uh, he's played. He's always played well down there, and I definitely think that he's going to be a, he's our best prospect we have right now, and is going to be the best one in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, next question. Uh, this question is from Anthony. Who do you think will be your favorite rookie this year? Favorite rookie? Oh, see, is there any rookies we have? Do you know, Chris? 
I don't really know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I I don't know if this counts, but I don't know if Christian Walker's going to be a, a rookie since he's not, he's going to actually have a, a decent amount of playing time. But you know, if he gets his bats in there versus lefties, I think he can probably count as a rookie. And he's and I think he's a he's a fun player to watch. And he gets you know he hits hits for power, which is what fans like to see. So I guess I have to go with him. Yeah, I agree. I don't really know many players that are going to be rookies again. Like last year, we didn't have really any. But uh, I agree. I definitely think that uh, Christian Walker is going to be an exciting player to watch next year. Mm-hmm. Next question. Uh, this will be our last question. It's from Alex. Who will be the most improved player in the MLB, in your opinion? In the MLB? Um, well, that was a tough one. Um, most improved. I think Dansby Swanson is going to be bound for for a for a decent for a pretty good year here. I'm not saying all star anything, but I think he's going to turn around. His defense is obviously still pretty good, but I think he's going to turn up with the bat too. Uh, I don't really know about the MLB, but I definitely think that the Diamondbacks, uh, Archie Bradley, is definitely going to have a turnaround year. He's going to do. Uh, I think he's going to be solid all year through, and he's a. Uh, He's going to be a really good player, and he's going to make a big comeback next year. Yeah, just like 2017. All right, well, that's going to do it for our mailbag statement. We're going to break into our first segment here, just talking about some Diamondbacks news over the week. Um, First of all, uh, David Peralta, he was ranked number 10, the MLB Network's top 10 uh, list of left fielders. So uh, here's a clip of the MLB Network guys talking about him. If we get clip number one, please. start off now at number 10 an under the radar player picked up by the shredder it's david peralta of the arizona diamondbacks peralta brings plus defense and power to arizona he hit 30 home runs last year slugged 516 while also finishing plus six in defensive run saves he finished with 3.9 wins above replacement a career high in war now peralta with good results data those are the stats that we've always used all these years here are some process stats though and they tell a positive story peralta was 10th in average exit velocity and 11th in hard hit percentage among hitters in 2018 so there could be some more power in there too with one of the lowest launch angles in the game so that was the mlb network guys talking about david peralta he came out at number 10 on the ranking and uh, there's actually a decent amount of left fielders in the major leagues if you look at that list. But yeah, anyway, David Peralta definitely, I would say, is an under-the-radar player. And he had a very solid um, 2018. He actually won his first silver slugger. Uh, just go go off some stats here. He had an 868 OPS, 30 home runs, uh, 87 RBIs. Yeah, and again, won that silver slugger. Um, Chris, do you think he should have been rated higher at all, or do you think 10 is a good placement for him? I think 10's a good placement, but I definitely think if he has another season like he did last year, he's going to move up a few spots. And uh, he definitely stepped up last year when we were trying to make that uh, push uh, all season for the playoffs. Even though we didn't get it, he definitely was a solid player, and he was uh, he was good in the, our lineup, and he almost got it. He was a good mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he did have the, the breakout year back in 2015. He, uh, I think he led the league in triples. Um, and yeah, he was, he was fun to watch, but I think this year he really showed that, that sign of consistency. Um, he doesn't walk at an extremely high rate, but still, I mean, his, his numbers are, aren't, aren't bad. And I think he's, he, he's probably our most experienced hitter in the lineup now that, that, uh, that Goldschmidt's gone. And I think he's probably going to be the best hitter on the team and probably the team MVP. 
Yeah, I agree. I definitely think he's going to be our best hitter next year. I'm not sure he's the most experienced hitter because of guys like um, Escobar, but he's definitely going to be a really good next year. And uh, he's he's our best player, I think. So he's probably going to be our team MVP. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect him to have as good of a season since he already is 30, and you know, and who knows? You know, guys have had turnaround seasons, you know, way way past 30. But I mean, it, may, it might start. He might start declining here over the next few years, but he's still going to be, you know, a near all-star level player. Um, he's going to be pretty good. So, yeah, David Peralta, ranked number 10 on the MLB Network uh, rating. Again, if you if you like to call into the show and talk about Dimebacks or MLB or anything you have in mind, that number is 845-277-9345. Moving into our next piece of news here, Tori Lovello uh, has, has gotten a two-year extension. Uh, through the 2021 season. Uh, Chris, what are your initial thoughts on this move? I definitely think it's a good move. He's a, he's a, He was a very good manager two years ago. He was pretty good last year. He just didn't, in my opinion, he didn't, he didn't really manage the bullpen well at the at towards the end of the season after the All-Star break. Or, But I definitely think that he's worth the extension and he could help us next year because I think he's a pretty good manager. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, he did win the NL Manager of the Year in 2017, so it pretty much seems like an automatic extension. And I don't know if if, if it was so much due. Yeah, I, I do agree that he uh, wasn't the best at managing the bullpen. How he kept sticking with Brad Boxberger um, day after day, even though you know he did not do very well. But I I think just in his, his just attitude in the clubhouse is is pretty is pretty good. And like you know he he's a very positive uh is a very positive manager. And it seems like guys get along with him. And uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it, if uh, I think he's gonna try, he, I think he's obviously gonna work out you know uh, his, his bullpen sh- uh, management struggles from last year. I think he's gonna be doing a lot better uh, this year. Um, I mean, so Chris, another topic I want to talk about here is how much of a team's success relies on a manager and how much it just relies on the player's talent in general. Um, I think it's. The player, the manager, his job is to put out the best guys in order to win. But if those guys aren't going to play well and if they're not doing well, then you can't really blame the manager for that. So I'd say that they both have a, bit, a really important role in a team's success. But I, th- I think the players have a bigger role in making it so that they have a, in making a team successful. Yeah, because if you look at a team like the Orioles last year, they had uh, Buck Showalter as the manager, who I think he's fired now, but. I, he's been a very good manager throughout his career, um, but the thing is, yeah, you talk, you talk about you need get good guys to put in for say bullpen bullpen pieces or just you know players in the lineup in general, and they really didn't have any of that, especially after they you know traded away a lot of their guys. So it definitely re- uh, relies on both. Um, and I think you know just, I think the bullpen's gonna get better this year, um, especially you know some news we're gonna talk about here in a minute. Um, I think Tori Lovello, I you know he I think he's a he's a good he's a great clubhouse presence and um yeah people in Arizona seem to like him so Tori Lovello uh, extended to the 2021 season uh, our final bit of news here out of Arizona uh, right-handed pitcher Greg Holland he was signed to uh, I think it's a one-year deal right yeah worth um, three yeah. and a half million dollars and uh, last year he split time between St Louis and uh, the in Washington. And in total, he had a uh, let's see here. He had a in 46 innings, he had a 4.66 ERA. But that that half of that time was with the Cardinals, and half of that time was with Washington. 
Cardinals, he had an ERA near eight, and Washington was actually below one. So that's definitely two different, two different. Uh, that's two drastically different, you know, stat lines there. Chris, do you, what do you think of this move? I think it's, I think it's a pretty good move. They definitely needed to add a bullpen piece, and I feel like he would. He's a player that we got cheaper than a lot of players would have come, and I just think that I think it's a pretty good move in a, that in the sense that we needed a piece and he can be solid and he can be solid or he can have rough years. So let's hope for a, one of those good years. Cause he's had some really good years and then he's had some off years. And I just think that he's definitely going to be a good piece and he's a good addition. Yeah. I mean, if you remember the 2017 season against Colorado for that first half, I mean, he was unhittable. I think he had an ERA below two. He finished the year with an ERA above three and a half, but, um. Yeah. He uh, that that slider is just. It's kind of like Adam Ottavino. It's 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 such a deadly pitch. And um, if he can get you know, get his get get his control problems figured out, hopefully he can be more like the pitcher he was with the Nationals, not the Cardinals. And uh, 3.5 million. I I think there are some options to raise it up. But it's pretty cheap, considering that last year he was making 14 million dollars. Um. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, Chris, what do you think his chances are opening day that he will be the closer? I don't think he's going to be closer. I think that it's either going to be Hirano or Bradley. I think they're going to give Bradley another chance. But uh, if he can, if he pitches well in spring training and he does really good, then I definitely think he has a good shot at being a uh, closer. But I, I don't think he will be. Yeah, well, we saw that last year. You did have Hirano, um, Bradley, and uh, yeah, a Boxberger. And you know, even though you know Hirano and, and Hirano and Bradley are better than Boxberger. I think Tori Lovello went with him just because of his closer experience. So you never know. Again, it's probably going to be up in the air. Say Holland gets gets the starting uh, gets the uh, closing nod and he uh, and he struggles. And if you put in Hirano, you put in Bradley. There's three closers you put on this team, and I think they have a lot of flexibility there. Any final Definitely. thoughts? Chris? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to end our first segment. Uh, we're going to move on to our into our second segment here after an ad. Hey guys, this is Benton from Bucko Booth, also producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern as we have a very special episode lined up for you. We're going to be discussing the Pirates offseason and how, to be frank, it's just falling short of expectations. They're dropping the ball with the conservative offseason. And we're going to discuss how the dropping of the ball by Neil Huntington is going to play out in the 2019 season. To go along with that, we're also going to be talking about the discussions around the Starling Marte trade rumors. Although they were shot down, it's not as crazy of an idea as it sounds should the right deal come along. All this and more on Bucket Booth tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. We're going to be talking the offseason and how it's just really been a dud, as well as the Marte rumors and much more. Be sure to tune in at 8 a.m. Eastern. Bucko Booth, I will be there so you won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of the show, and we'll see you tomorrow at AM Eastern. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, here, moving into our second segment, we're going to be talking about uh, what seems to be the, the storyline of the offseason, and it's actually a storyline of no story. Uh, I guess you could say that. Uh, the top two free agents, two uh, superstars, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, both still unsigned and still nobody really knows where they're going to go. Obviously, there's there's an idea of maybe four to five, you know, teams that are interested in all these guys. But, um, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's been very weird to see because 
if, if you look at the top 50 free agents, uh, around 80% of 80% of them have already signed, and and you know a lot of the guys in the top 10 have already signed, but it's still these top two guys. Chris, do you what what are your thoughts of why they're not signing right now? I think they're not signing because as they see um, other people go off the board, teams are going to get more desperate to find that player that they need to fill their spot, and they're going to start throwing around more money maybe. So uh, I think that if they wait longer, they might get more money because teams might get more desperate or it might go the other way. It's kind of a little bit of a gamble, but I definitely think they're they're hoping it's going to go towards more money, so I think that's why they're still waiting. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure Harper and Machado both have Scott Boris as their free agent, and he's a very experienced manager, and I think he's going to try to be able to get them a uh, a pretty pretty uh, sizable contract here before before opening day. And the thing is, you know, most free agents that like that that you know teams assigned um, guys like Albert Pujols, who and look, looking at it right now, I think he's locked up for another like what like three years, and that's that's a terrible contract. The Angels are going to be, uh, yeah, they're they're going to be a uh, left in the dust here for the, over the next three years because they have all that money um, spent on him. Um, but Harper and Machado, they're only 26 and they're still, and they're, they're like about to enter their prime, which is crazy to think of what some of the guys have already, what some of these guys have already done. But again, the thing is, if you just look at the track record of all these huge contracts people have gotten, I mean, no, none of them are really, I mean, Chris, can you name one contract, a really long-term contract that's actually paid out for a team in the last 10 years? No. Yeah, no, I mean, the top of my head, I can't. I mean, there has been, there have been guys like Alex Rodriguez, and I think that's probably the closest example. But still, I mean, during the end of the end of his career, he was he wasn't that good. But that's the thing I think with baseball, because you know, a player they have six years of team control. Say they get drafted, say, say age twenty, they and at a good rate, it'll take you know four say four years to get to the majors. You have six years there, so you're pretty pretty much already going to be around thirty by the time, you know, you hit free agency and a, t- and a team, you're, a team's not going to want to sign, uh, you know, a, a, a eight, eight million or eight years, three, 300 million, because, you know, um, the, the way baseball contracts work, the, 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 uh, the later you get into the year, uh, the later you get into the contract, the more money they're going to make. So they make actually the least amount of money at the beginning and then most at the end, which is why I think Albert Pujols in 2021, I think it's set to make, 40 something million dollars, something crazy like that. So that's the thing, you know, managers, they, they see, Oh, well, everyone else that, that's gotten these huge contracts, you know, these huge albatross size contracts They're they haven't performed. And some have even retired, you know, before they even like finish the contract Got guys like Prince Fielder. And I'm pretty sure and they're scared of that because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to get, um, they don't want to get trapped in that, in that money pool. Um, and I think G- GMs are getting a lot smarter nowadays. They're not, you know, they they, they don't they're not just going after players because they're their name. They're seeing it more analytically. And I I'm I yeah I I think they're just trying to try to wait and play it till the beginning of the uh, closer to the regular season, and until maybe a GM says you know they start freaking out and say okay we need to, we need to get this player on our team now, and they you know make a bad you know they just make a a mo- like a just make a impulse decision and give him a bad contract. And that's what the, that's what Harper and Machado were hoping for. But yeah. And as players see more and more large, long contracts, contracts for many years and all that money, I think they're just going to start, uh, they're going to start wanting those contracts more. And as GMs see them not pan out well, they're going to be, uh, 
not wanting to give them out, so that doesn't help because they're gonna be, no one's going to be wanting to compromise, and they're just going to be waiting until they have to sign, or else they will be uh, they won't have a team at the start of the season. Yeah, well, I I can understand Herbert Murtaugh, but you look at some other these some of these other guys. I'm just going to list off some of the other top unsigned free agents. You have Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell, Mike Moustakis, Marvin Gonzalez, Gio Gonzalez, Adam Jones, um, H- Jose Iglesias, who's a very underrated shortstop. You have some pitchers like Clay Buckles. Um, and this is the thing. I don't I don't understand. You know, I, I know there's the money thing, but the MLB is thriving right now economy-wise. And there, you have some very underrated guys here, some very solid guys that can help a lot of teams out right now, guys like Jose Iglesias. And Marvin Gonzalez, you know, the sick guys like that, they could help some teams out that are trying to contend a lot. And I, there hasn't really been any talk about them. I haven't really heard any view, anything on, on you, I, you know, guys like Marvin Gonzalez. I don't know. No one knows where he's going. There's been some rumors. Um, the Padres have, have shown interest in Mike Moustakis and uh, Gio Gonzalez. And I, I, I praise the Padres for that because I, I – they're at least actually trying to get better and trying to, you know, better their team and get set up for this, for this, uh, this, this, uh, window of, of contention, uh, window of contention in the you know coming years. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, um, like Chris, what, what are your thoughts? Like, like, why do you think these, te- all these teams are just sitting back and not going after guys that could really help their team right now? I'm never really sure. I think it might be constraints money-wise. They might be saving up for something else to re-sign a player or go after someone next year. And they're hoping that as the longer they wait, players are going to start maybe trying to get to them and get less, get, get maybe take less money just so they can get, get on that team or something. But I think they're just waiting back because they don't really, uh, lots of these players are overshadowed and they're just not, huge players that I don't think everyone's going to be wanting to go for. And I think that just means not many people are talking about them. And because not many people are talking about them, there's a possibility that there's lots of teams going after them, but just no, not many people are reporting it because of they're not Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. That is true. Um, so I'm going to do here, I'm just going to read you off some of the biggest contracts in baseball history from the recent memory. I just want you to tell me like, if you were a GM, would you sign that contract? So Albert Pujols, in 2012, he signed a 10-year, $240 million contract with the Angels. Would, would you offer that money to to, to him? Um, I would offer. I think the, I think he's worth the money, but not the years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, how, how old is he right now? I think he's. I'm gonna. He's I'm gonna, 39. He's 39. Yeah, and he's think he's still locked up for a few more years, and, uh, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not. It's not saying that that like like the per year value. I I you know I would pay you know. Harper Machado somewhere close to thirty million dollars a year. If it was more of a short term deal, like four to five years, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay someone, you know, nine like nine ten years at at such a high rate when they're already you know thirty or something like that. Uh, next contract year is, have here is Robinson Cano. Oh, ten, uh, ten years, two hundred forty million. Um, how old was he when he? Uh, he was. Let's see. Um. I think he was uh, 30, what is that, 31? So that's pretty, you said 10 years, $240 million? Yeah. So that's pretty much the same contract as uh, Pujols got, except he was a little younger when he signed it. Yeah. And just like Pujols, I think he was, 
he's worth a lot of money, but I don't think he's worth the years because he's as players get to their like thirty five, thirty six, they definitely start going downhill, and they don't, and they're not worth that money. And there's on for years, they might need to give them that just so they can pull them on the team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Cano has uh, obviously, you know, back he was a, he was a star with the Yankees, and I think the Mariners. That's the thing, because you know, GMs weren't weren't a smart back in the day. I don't think it, the you know. I don't think a lot of GMs would offer ten years, two hundred forty million dollars to a guy who's thirty-one, just because he, you know, he played for the Yankees and he was a he was a superstar over there. I think GMs are a lot smarter because they have all these depart these analytical departments that help them out. Uh, next contract here is a uh, is David Price. He was twenty-nine and he signed a seven-year, two hundred seventeen million deal with the Red Sox, and it's going to expire in twenty twenty-two. Um, I. I think that that was that was a better contract than most of the other ones because he was younger and he was coming off a few good years with the Blue Jays and the Red the Red Sox were go, definitely going into contention as we know and they needed that player so I think that's a much better contract I would I'd be borderline on whether to do that one or not but I definitely think that that's a pretty good that's that's not one of the worst ones yeah it's not that's not terrible um, again I, Price was is kind of struggled over the past two years but. You know, after he had that insane World Series, I, I think he might be, you know, down for a turnaround. And obviously, you know, it worked out for Boston in the end because they won a World Series and they're, they're probably on track to win maybe a couple more. So, yeah, um, I think we already mentioned this. Uh, Prince Fielder, um, yeah, he signed a, a nine-year, $214 million deal, $214 million deal with Detroit and he, uh, when he was 28. Um, I, I don't really think that is worth it because he was definitely uh, he was definitely older when he would have ended that contract, and I, uh, that's a lot of money to give a player. That's he was pretty good, but I don't really remember him playing that much. So I don't know if he was like amazing, but I don't really I don't I don't think I would sign that contract because that's a lot of time and there's a, a lot of money. Yeah, I don't know if I would offer. Uh, almost 10 years to and that much money to a fir- to a first baseman. Um, that that's the thing. Like, you know, when Paul Goldschmidt's gonna hit free agency here here pretty soon. Like, if I was a GM, I wouldn't offer him. You know, you know, I would only offer him maybe you know max of like three or four years because he how how old is he? He's like 32 or something like that. Or 31. Yeah. Well, did you see there was a? I I don't think they were true, but there's reports that the they were Cardinals and they were they were finaling up an extension. I don't think they were true, but I saw reports that there's it was a five-year thing. Where'd you see that? Oh, I I saw it on a few, uh, few people tweeted it, but I didn't see it from any of the uh, big guys. So I don't I don't really know if I can trust any of those guys or not, but I'm not sure. I, mean, I, I don't think it's true. Well, I mean there there's thing because with Goldie, you know what you're getting out of him. Um, and you know he's a very consistent first baseman, but he has showed signs of regression. His stats are kind of dropping year by year. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I just wouldn't I just wouldn't give you know a player. Yeah, especially when there are I wouldn't give a first baseman ten years when they're already like thirty. Um, now here here's probably the best contract on here. Max Scherzer signed with the Nationals for seven years, two hundred ten million. How old is he when he signed that? Uh, he was. Uh, he was he was thirty. Um, I think that's a I think that's a pretty good contract because he was a, he's still putting up really good numbers. He is a, still a really good pitcher that's worth that money. I th- I think I would sign that one because he's 
definitely still a good pitcher. He, he and I I think he'll start regressing towards the end of the contract, but I think for for the next few years or the next two or three, he's definitely going to be. It's definitely worth it. Mhm. Um. So just looking back, just a little tangent here on the uh, on the Diamondbacks uh, uh, trade to for uh, when they when they sent Max Scherzer to Detroit, they got back. Um, Ian Kennedy and Edwin Jackson. You know, Ian Kennedy had had you know one good season, but he was never any, a, a long term uh, a long term starter. Um, and uh, and uh, I I mean I would I mean obviously I'm pretty sure you would rather have Scherzer right now than Greinke for the same same price actually I guess actually for cheaper right? Yeah, I, I like uh, Scherzer better. Yeah, I mean Scherzer I would say is the best pitcher in the game. Um, anyway, so that, that's probably the only example where it actually worked out pretty well. And then, yeah, Zach Greinke, six years, 206 million. I mean, it, he, I'm not, it was not saying he, he's, he's a bad player. I still think he'll be a decent, good, pretty good player in 2021. But I mean, I just, I think I would rather maybe get two starters for 15 million a year than one guy for 30. But, you know, anyway, uh, we're going to move. Uh, that's going to end uh, in the uh, free agent segment. Uh, Chris, do you have any final thoughts? Nope. We'll go, that's going to end the uh, free agent statement. We're going to hit an ad here. On Sunday at 2 Eastern time, the fifth episode of the Ivy will be bringing in Cubs number 15 prospect, Brennan Davis. We'll be asking him many Cubs-related questions, as well as his thoughts on the Cubs minor league system so far and how he has, and how his offseason has went. We'll also be talking about Kyle Hendricks' interesting stat, along with the Cubs' brutal end-of-the-year schedule in September and the end of August, just like last season. And finally, we'll be doing our third week of Inside the Numbers, featuring war, wins above replacement. We hope you guys will tune in at 2 Eastern Time Sunday. Hope to see you there. See ya. All right, welcome back to the show. Moving in to our final segment here. We're going to be discussing uh, something that went on in baseball here uh, just recently. And that's the Hall of Fame ballot, and you know, can be a controversial uh, subject, but just dealing with steroids, and if you know, ha- you know, do steroids invalidate, um, you know, invalidate a player's career? So, uh, for I think uh, it was four people who made it in the Hall of Fame this year, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Rivera, Mario Rivera, who was actually the first unanimous Hall of Famer, Roy Halladay, Mike Mussina, and uh, who was the last one? Who am I forgetting? Edgar Martinez. Edgar Martinez, yeah. So obviously those guys deserve to get in, no doubt. But on this Hall of Fame ballot, there are you know there are two guys who I would say is the most decorated pitcher in baseball history, and the best hitter, uh, most dominant hitter in baseball history, except for maybe Babe Ruth. You know you have Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, and I'm just going to read you um, some stats here and just tell me like just based off of stats, not knowing any, anything about them, like would you say this person's a Hall of Famer? So a 298 career average. 444 career on base, a slugging of over of over 600, and an OPS of over 1.050. Um, 762 home runs, which is an all-time record. Over 2,000, over 2,500 walks. Um, you know, just just based off those stats, would you say that's a Hall of Fame career? Definitely. Yeah, and yeah, those are the st- career stat lines of Barry Bonds. But I mean, what what percentage did he get this year? I think it was somewhere between somewhere. It's like I think it was high 50s. And uh, so, I mean, if, unless he gets some, like, huge, huge bump up, it doesn't look like he's making the Hall of Fame, which, 
you know, again, there is the whole controversy of, of steroids, and I get that. And, you know, but here's the thing. Like, Chris, do you drive? I don't, I don't know if you drive or not. No, I'm not old enough. Okay, not yet. But anyway, you know, this is more true in Arizona than any, anywhere else. But, you know, when you're driving on the highway, the speed limit says 65. But, I mean, most people will go at least 70 or if not more. And, you know, it's technically – and that's, that's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relate this to baseball here. It's technically illegal, but it's pretty much accepted. Like a cop's not going to pull you over for going 70 and a 65. So, like, that's the thing with baseball is, you know, back in the 90s and you know, those, in the power era, I, it, I think the report was like over 50% of players were using um, steroids in that era, which, I mean, I don't know how true it is, but it's, it, I mean, it just, yeah, it, it, it seems correct to me. Um, yeah, but anyway, so, I mean, Chris, do you think that, like, if everyone was doing steroids, do you think that's, like, I mean, what, what am I trying to say here? Like, you know, um, like, do you think that, that just doing uh, steroids, even if, even if like, everyone was doing it at that same time, do you think that that, dis- that discredits a player? Um, I don't think it discredits a player, especially when everyone's doing it, but uh, if – if you it, steroids don't make you able to hit a baseball, like if you just gave some someone around you a steroids and told them to go out and hit 700 home runs, they wouldn't be able to do it because you can't hit what you can't see. And I don't think that steroids should make it so that your none of your stats are valuable and credited. And I definitely think that they should be in because I don't exact, exactly what I said. It's steroids don't make you able to hit a baseball. Yeah, I think steroids they just keep, they their main goal is to just keep you on the field because you have to look look at it from a player's perspective. You know, um, one of Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds hit for agency at age it's age twenty seven season, and and you know that and you know that was that was like like the, the biggest year like of his of his uh what am I trying to say? That was like a really important year year, year for him because you know that's going to determine. Uh, where he's going to go for the next, you know, say, you know, eight to nine years, or I don't know how long his, con- his initial, initial contract was, but um, yeah. Anyway, like if you're a player in that, in that situation, and there's a difference between, you know, putting yourself at a disadvantage um, against all these, you know, p- uh, all these other b- batters and all these pitchers, ma- uh, pitchers. I think that's something that people don't forget about is p- a lot of pitchers are doing roids too, and you know, if if pitchers are doing ro- if pitchers are doing roids, then I mean, it's only like fair that the hitters are going to also, you know, and you're, it's, it's like a, it's millions of dollars that are at the state at stake here. And if you're a baseball player in that kind of pressure, I mean, it's really hard not to, um, it's really hard not to, you know, take steroids and try to make yourself, uh, you know, and try to keep yourself on the field more because that that's a lot of money. And that's like, your that's like a, a person's life pretty much right there. Um, and I saw and, that, uh, steroids weren't even technically illegal until, his career was pretty much over. They were banned, I think, around 2003 or 2004. Yeah. And his career was pretty much over by then. So, I mean, technically he wasn't using an illegal substance. Yeah, but. I mean, that, yeah. Because, yeah, it, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, I mean, you see guys now like Manny Ramirez, and I don't think Manny Ramirez should be getting the Hall of Fame, even though his stats say that. Because he got caught with roids, like, twice, and he, and, like, and, and, Nowadays, if a player gets caught with roids, it's a, it's a whole different story. But the thing is, yeah, back in the 90s and all that, it was part of the game. And I, and just like – it's pretty much like everyone had a power-up. And if everyone has that same advantage, then 
I mean, it, why does it matter like what anyone did? So, yeah, pretty much that. Um, so yeah, do you, I mean, do you, would you, if you, if a player got caught doing roids right now, would you like would that discredit them from being you know in the Hall of Fame? Um, if if they were if they were had stats that were insane, then I would say no. But I mean, if they had like borderline Hall of Fame stats, then I'd say yeah, they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, and that's the thing, because like, you know, but yeah, back then, you pretty much every great hitter from the '90s, McGuire, Sosa, um, Bonds, they they were all let in. Um, I think well, the biggest thing here is that the um, the Baseball Writer of Writers of America Association they want to keep their reputation clean because they don't. If they let if they let Barry Bonds in, then boom, you start letting Mark McGuire in, Sammy Sosa, all these other guys, and it's either. You know, you let you let all of them in, or you let none of them in, because you can't just be like all, you know, nitpicky and say, okay, well these people can get in, but these people can't. You know, it's gonna be all or nothing, and I think they're just trying to keep it like that. Um, I mean, do you see that as a possible reason why? Well, I I just think that there's so many people that don't like bonds. I think that, yeah, I do agree with you. I I think that so many people don't like bonds that I just think about voting for him when it like go over well. Because so many people, of course, don't like him. But I was, uh, I, I definitely think that he's. I, I think if he's going to make it, he's going to make it next year because there's not really many great first ballot Hall of Famers. The only really good one is uh, Derek Jeter, probably going to get in next year. But I, so I think that the writers could lo- overlook that fact and they could put him in, him and Clemens. But I, I think next year is a chance if, for writers to overlook the. Steroids. Yeah. Uh, just also, uh, are, we, are we done with Bonds here, or do we want to? Are we going to keep talking about him? Let's move on from him. Okay. So, um, one of the guys that I was very disappointed that did, that did not get in was Larry Walker. Um, you probably, have, if you follow my Instagram, you probably already heard me talk about this. But um, Larry Walker, if you look at his road statistics and just uh, his his, because um, a lot of people. The, the main argument against Larry Walker for a lot of people is, oh, he played at Coors Field, his stats don't count, which we'll get into argument here in a minute. But his, his road numbers compared to Ken Griffey Jr., if you just look at, you know, stats like, you know, on-base percentage slugging, OPS, OPS+, plus, they're actually higher. And Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. was like, was like a, what, 99.7% or something like that, something crazy. Um, and he Larry Walker, yeah, he only had only three people done build for him. I don't know who wouldn't. I mean, that's, Anyway, but my brother made a good point that people might not vote for obvious Hall of Famers, so they could give their vote to someone else that might not be so easy to get in. Yeah, how many how many votes is it like? Is it like a limited amount of like people that you can vote for? I I thought it was around ten. Yeah, that made my, I'm not, that made I'm not sure. Yeah, but then again, I mean, your job as a voter is to vote. I get your point there, but I think your job as a voter is still over who is a Hall of Famer. And I don't get these, but these people that are saying like, oh, I'm not going to vote. Uh, it didn't happen this year, but some people were like saying like, oh, I'm not going to vote for Mar- Mariano Rivera because I don't want there to be any unanimous Hall of Famers. It's like, why Why does that even matter? Like, there's not like any, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, but yeah, just looking at Larry Walker's, you know, just career stats, um, I don't know if we can, I don't know if I can try to get this like on the road, but anyway, so Larry Walker, he didn't even play his whole career in Coors. He played there from 1994 or 1995 to 2004. So that wasn't even all of his career. Um, 
And, and then again, his road numbers are some of the best in baseball history. And the fact that it only got like 30 something percent, I mean, I just don't understand it. Like, you know, here's the thing Coors Field, you know, I, I get that, you know, the ball does fly a little more, but Coors Field, like, the, 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 some of the stats that he put up in some of the, the years he had, one year where he had an OPS of almost 1,200, and, and another year similar to that, um, he won an MVP in 1997. I mean, like, I don't think. That 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 court field. It's the same thing with steroids. It, it's it's like it's not going to make you do better, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I definitely think it'll help you if you're a power hitter. It could help you a little bit, but yeah, I, he. You go up. Go ahead. Go ahead. He he did hit for some power, but a lot of these seasons were like relatively average power, like twenty five, twenty six home runs. Some years, other years, he had really good years, but. I don't think it helps you that much if you're more of a contact hitter and just looking at how he didn't have as many home runs and long hits, he's more of a power hitter. So I think that would, I mean, a contact hitter. So I don't think Corsfield affects him the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Corsfield side, he was also great, just great defensively as a right fielder. I think that's also what's something that's overlooked. And you look at some guys, so you, so you take away Corsfield and you have him play at, at sea level I think just based on that, just looking at that, I think he would make the Hall of Fame, you know, like for like first or second ballot, just by looking at some of his numbers. And and you look at some guys, like uh, guys like Harold Baines that got in, and you look at their stats, and they're just not like, they're just. I mean, he's he's one of the most overrated. You know, I think was he a first ballot this year? I'm not sure. I don't know. Um. Anyway, is that. It? Yeah, I mean, if you're just looking at his stats, they weren't, you know, they weren't amazing, and and I and he only had a, a 820 career OPS, and you know he wasn't he was a DH for a lot of his career, um, so you know it like I, I don't think you can just discredit you know a player's career to like like one specific you know attribute like oh he, this, he took he took rare uh, steroids when everyone else did or oh he played at Coors Field like his stats don't count, which I don't get how stats don't count, you know. And Coors Field is also kind of a pitcher's park if you look at just look at the dimensions, and you know. So I, I mean, yeah. Again, I don't think you can just discredit a player's career because of that. When some other when some other guys who have way less, you know, who have way worse stats um, than some of the guys who haven't who haven't gotten in, you know, they and they did for I don't know why. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think that's gonna wrap up our show here tonight. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts you want to get in real quick? Uh, I just want to say thank you for tuning in and. Uh... Hope to join us next Friday, and um, I think that I one other guy I'd like to see in the Hall of Fame is Pete Rose. I don't think what he did as a manager should change how many hits he got and how good he was as a player. But, uh, yeah, just thanks for listening. Yeah, for sure. Have a good weekend, everyone. Good night. Rattle Up is produced by Benson Fector. Rattle Up is a Baseball Podcast Network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Chris Sumner at Chris underscore Sumner 710 and Blake Warner at Everything D-backs. Be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all our social media platforms as well. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. 
That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network and YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.